Hi, Jeremy here. Uh, This is future Jeremy for past Jeremy who recorded this episode, and I totally forgot to mention what the fuck the D4 does. So when you engage in the fiction to take an action, this is using the your stats as a skill list, uh, as a Blades in the Dark action skill list system. The D4 operates as a prompt that will pick which complication happens or consequence happens in the scene uh, based on any particular role, though you don't have to use that prompt if you feel something better suits the scene but just give some GM help. And then the D4 operates as a cost system or an energy use system when you draw Aether from within the planet when you go to make moves. Sorry about that. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Devlog with yours truly, Jeremy Gage. I am recording on a beautiful Monday morning. Spring is just around the corner, and I am excited to go outside and play some volleyball. I watched a lot of haiku. Uh, If you've not watched a sports anime but want to fall in love, you watch haiku. Excellent interviews that I have with very amazing guests. Uh, In fact, today's episode is inspired by John Geary. So shout out to John Geary for getting excited about Kaleidoscope and asking questions over on Twitter and in our Brain Trust Discord space. So thanks, John. This, I also had a things to do list that says talk about how we play the game. So I guess this is the phase where I'll start getting into mechanics. I'll probably talk more about ones that are, that I really like am attached to and they're darlings that are really hard to kill. So I'll probably uh, fuck with them for a long time. And if they don't end up working, then I'll probably fuck with them a second time. And then after that, I, I may change them to something else, but. Basically, what are the nitty-gritty gears within this machine? So, the whole game's dice resolution system is a margin of success system, where it has a target number of five or more uh, that counts as a success. So, if you're rolling a d6 and you roll a five or a six, that dice counts as a success. You roll a pool of three dice, indicating the level of success. So... Zero successes is a failure, so a no but or a no and situation. One dice is uh, a single success, which is a partial success. This is a yes but, so yes, you get what you want, but something else, some other complication still arises within the fiction. Two successes is a full success, so yes, you get what you want, nothing bad happens. And then three successes is a critical success. Yes, and. You get yes, you get what you wanted, and you get something additional for that. So maybe like extra ticks on a clock, or maybe extra narrative weight to control. Maybe it'll be a control switching mechanic now that I say it out loud. So maybe if you get successes, those that critical success in the fiction, you get the ability to like control the scene, basically, or add something key to the scene. Ooh, add something key to the scene on three successes sounds really good. See, this is how live iteration works. 
So that's how the game is played. You start, uh, it's a step die progression system, so you start with d6s and work your way up to d12s for any particular affinity. Uh, I can talk about the progression system later in this series, uh, sort of as the reward for the gameplay loop. But that's the, that's the nitty gritty. You roll three dice, but what about that little d4? So the little d4 indicates one of two things. So the game, the game is based, what I wanted to happen was that this stems from a gripe I have with D&D 5e where skills kind of just don't matter or too specific to make work in, in some circumstances. It just, it can feel a little clunky. The skills list, a skills list feels a little clunky. So I really like the blades in the dark method of how actions can be narratively fluidly used to delineate intent and goals by the players. So for example, if you roll, if you're trying to convince someone to help you, you might roll astral affinity like an action in Blades in the Dark and see what comes out of that. So maybe on a partial success, you get one tick on their clock, but a complication arises in the scene that maybe prevents you from using Astral or something like that. Um, Two successes gives you two ticks, and you get to talk about how you're charming or enchanting in some manner, or you bring up a good argument for your case. You know, you might use... um, Umbral to manipulate or deceive someone or to intimidate somebody. So I kind of like that that action style skill list. I'm quoting in the air, but you can't see it. And then the other version, so that's called taking action. Taking action basically transforms your stats into skill actions. When you engage the game in a more specific scenario, like maybe to overcome an obstacle like a ridge or a ravine or a creature or an opposing party of souls, because remember, you're not the only souls in the world. Other nations have souls. Uh, You will engage in combat and make moves. So this is more like the Powered by the Apocalypse or... um, Iron Sworn fictional positioning triggers of moves. So, for example, in Ember, when you're engaging in combat, there's a move called Blaze that deals one or two harm to a single or AoE targets, depending on how many successes you roll. I'll get deeper into moves in a later devlog and maybe post up some pictures on Twitter or something to give people a better way to analyze that, that particular episode. But the big other thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to moves in this particular episode is my, this is going to touch really specifically to combat, but there's, I've always not liked static initiative. I feel like battle is very fluid and I'm sure there are other systems that I'm just not aware of quite yet that, um, do like a re-rolled initiative or something like that. But I also don't like the hyper, I don't always like the hyper fluid sort of whose turn is it style, like Blades in the Dark has. Like who wants to make the next action or who's like engaging with the fiction next sort of thing. Sort of this ask and tell 
paradigm. So I want to keep put something where it gives you that flexible power while also giving you something concrete to work from. And my inspiration for this is from the stack from Magic the Gathering. So if you haven't played, the stack is essentially when each player plays a series of spells on top of one another, and then those series of spells from the last played works its way towards the first. So in the game, most spells can only be played on your own turn, but uh, in Magic the Gathering, spells that have the instant tag or flash are able to be played on anyone's turn at any point. So you're trying to use these spells to manipulate your opponent's cards and plays, and so I sort of wanted to put that into this game. So I came up with tempo. At first it was just numbers, but tempo sounds cool, so that's great. Basically, tempo has seven stages. Uh, generally, it's first tempo to sixth tempo, tempo, which first tempo is the fastest and sixth tempo is the slowest. And then there's zero tempo, which is a uh, tempo that sits outside of the turn order. And you can use it whenever you want in reaction to something else. So it has uh, a trigger of some sort. So like maybe it says something like, when a creature engages in a soft move, counter that move or something like that. I don't have the exact uh, bugs worked out for that, but that's the idea. So uh, John had asked, what would a red-blue style deck look like as a character in this game? And so just to give an example, uh, Ember Affinity and Rhyme Affinity, which are red and blue for the translation, play a lot with tempo. Ember likes to go hard and fast, and almost all of their abilities range from first to third tempo, and then Rhyme likes to kind of slow it down and play within third to fifth tempo. Six tempo is reserved for like very powerful abilities, uh, but it makes you go last in the initiative, so it's sort of like you're charging up before that happens. And then you sort of resolve those stacks. Um, there are also specific, if you listen to my last episode, you know that there are disciplines which sort of augment uh, or give perks to different characters based on which discipline, which I didn't mention last time. Disciplines are fluid. You can change your discipline uh, kind of whenever you want in the game. Not, not whenever you want. There'll be like some sort of drawback to switching so often, but I want to create some lateral movement for style of play since you can pretty much choose whichever affinities you want to level throughout the game. I also wanted disciplines to have because, you know, you don't always want to be an aggro player. Sometimes you want to play control decks. Sometimes you want to play mid-range decks. So disciplines are also fluid in that manner. And... Um, the example I gave John on Twitter was that the, the current name, the Discipline of Wrath, which delineates aggro-style decks, gives you bonuses to Ember Affinity and also um, reduces the tempo, which reduces a plus in this manner. I don't know if increase or reduce would be, which word would be more proper to saying, like, your tempo goes up, but um, the... Ember allow like uh, the discipline of wrath allows you to keep Ember within first and second tempo, unless a uh, basically it gives all one through three tempos plus one tempo. 
so it keeps you within one and two, and that's specifically to Ember, and I think also Umbral, because Black also has sort of like an aggressive nature about it. It might be Astral. I'm not sure. I don't have the document in front of me, but this way I stay, you know, focused on the cream, cream, haha, <laughs> stream of consciousness. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what, so a red-blue character might do something like, Rhyme has uh, sort of the blue. It's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of switching back and forth between particular terms, so I hope that that doesn't get too confusing, but I wanna make sure that people understand the context in which I'm designing these affinities from by using the Magic the Gathering colors. So, blue can slow down tempos as well, uh, and some of the disciplines that play more on the control side of the aspect allow you to slow down tempos and to, uh, it also gives bonuses to rhyme and also gives bonuses to, uh, particular ranges of abilities. So, uh, in the game, there's a lot of like AOE effects, uh, again, which I'll get more into it when I talk about specifically moves, but Rhyme can sort of shrink zones of effect from other creatures, and it can also negate certain types of moves. It can negate thresholds sometimes. If you listen to my other devlog where I get a little bit into clocks and thresholds. And Ember is all about hitting big AoE damage. It's, it's not safe all the time. There's specific keywords that I have that designate that you don't hurt your allies that are within the same area, but most of them do not say that. So you kind of have to play around your aggressive Ember player to make sure that you're not in their zones of effect when that all goes down. So basically the initiative system has you tracking an order of actions and then executing that command every round. Uh, everyone only gets one action, though some disciplines will allow you an additional action for the turn, but it has certain tempo requirements that you have to fulfill to execute that. That's my current balancing act. That may not stay. I may find other ways of implementing sort of temp or multiple actions for a single round, but at current, it's a single action for everybody. And... Monsters will have just general tempos that they operate. They won't have like tempo specific moves. They'll just have tempo specific bodies. So like a Ember Elemental would probably always act on either like tempo one or two, first or second. And yeah, that's, uh, I hope that answers some additional questions for you, John. Thanks for the, thanks for Thanks for the question on Twitter. I appreciate it. If you ever hit me up on Twitter with wanting to know more about the game and I need to find an answer for it, I'll make a, a devlog episode specifically for you. So I have no problem doing that. This will probably I'm going to I always release these the day I record them later today. If you're listening to this, I will also be releasing my second conversation with Spencer Campbell. Uh, at Gila RPGs, creator of Light and Frame, if you've been in all the buzz on his Kickstarter, and also creator of Slayers and Corvid Court, Spencer has been murdering the game as far as making games is concerned, at least in my eyes. I mean, he's only really been working on games for like a year or so. 
and producing tons of really amazing content. So great job, Spencer. You're killing it. Uh, as always, if you like what I'm doing, you can send me a tip over on Venmo. It's always nice to remind people. You can also send me a tip on Kofi. Um, reach out to me at JeremyH5 over on Twitter. You can find the podcast uh, on Red Circle, which has some... It doesn't really have additional information. That's just where I host it. But eventually, I'd like to have a website that allows me to put up transcriptions for the episodes because I think that'd be sick for accessibility purposes. But right now I just, I, that's a lot of work for me. So maybe there's someone more professional I can touch base with. Anyways, this has been this episode of Devlog and good morning, good afternoon and good evening. And catch you next time.